2: Listen to a cross-generations podcast on the iHeartRadio Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: It's like the police knew who he was before they got here.
2: From iHeart
3: Podcasts, the medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life.
2: He's breathing right now. Yes, yeah, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: From iHeart Media, this is Missing in Alaska, the story of two congressmen who vanished in 1972 and my quest to figure out what happened to them. I'm your host, John Walzak. On October 15, 2019, right before I flew back to Anchorage with Paul Deccant, our supervising producer, I placed an important call. Paul and I, along with our captains, Mark and Andy, had just visited the exact spot in Port Etchus where Bob Martinson found part of a Cessna tail sometime around 1980. We all had follow-up questions for Bob, so I put my phone on speaker and. John. Hey Bob, I'm with uh, Andy and Mark, and so so. Hey Bob.
3: Hey Bob. Hi.
0: So they had a few questions, and I figured before I left, um, they know the area better, that I would let them ask the questions. Is that okay? Yeah,
4: I'm not looking at the map. I'm I'm driving, so I mean, anyway,
5: go ahead. Okay. So drive carefully, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so our, our question. So we had gone into Port Etches and uh, trying to help figure out a little bit more of this lead of, of where to look and, and then we also had some specific questions. Uh, one of them, I guess we could start with that. Like, so you were sailing. do you remember the boat you were sailing on?
4: Yeah, I I ended up owning that. That was my dad's boat, the Ocean
5: Wave. Ocean Wave, okay. And so how uh, how big is the ocean wave? It was a thirty two footer, like one of those Charlie Moore Sane boats like uh, I don't know if you remember that if you were around when the George A and the Shirley H and those kind of boats were around. Yes, I know. I know I know exactly what you're talking about. So Yeah, I had a Sane permit and I helped
4: Dad build that boat. And uh, it would have been that point or maybe the one out from it, but wherever it was, a fairly clear beach.
5: Yeah, it looks like a really good Sane set, right? The spot that you selected, like, it looked like it's right at the end of a nice scrape. Like, you could... Yeah, yeah, that's...
4: um, I don't remember which way we were hooking, but uh, I brought it up in the lead not very far from the beach. And it was the whole tail section, and like I told John, it didn't have any growth on it or anything. It looked fairly recent, but when I called troopers to report it, they said the numbers came uh, real close to what they were looking for for that crash. So I, I think I remember putting it on a tender because we were still fishing, you know, and it wasn't
5: like the days when you go back and forth. It was... It was when we were fishing all week long. Yeah, you couldn't so, store it or anything. But I mean, they would have taken up a huge part of the back deck. Or how big? How big of a chunk did you find? It was the whole um, upright tail section.
4: Um, you know, the the part that sticks up. I gotcha. And it was shredded, like it was sheared off right at the right at the bottom of of the uh, upright. Yep. And. You know, big sharp shards of metal on it, and it had—I don't know if it had all the number or—I recall that they said it might have been one number off or something. But they wanted to see it, and I think it was red and white. Okay. And um, I also know that my friend Mike Crawley—he died um, right near there, crashing his plane into the
5: cliff. But that was later, I believe. Is that he the one? He fished with Butch Johnson. Is that the 185? Um, that might have been what he was flying. He was spotting for him and Butch Johnson, and
4: he was over a big school inside of Constantine, and he was losing elevation because he was circling, and then he slammed into a cliff, and uh, that plane was pretty much destroyed. Now, I don't know if it landed on the beach or went in the water, but
0: it wouldn't have been that plane, I don't think. So- I think it was earlier than that that I found it. So, so that area that we were was that the right spot? Yeah,
5: that's uh, that's the right spot.
0: So when we had just um,
5: we, these guys were asking us, you know, who might have been around, might have been in the search, and so we went and talked to Terry Kennedy, and uh, he told us, I think, of that plane that you were talking about, uh, the spotter, um, and uh, he he had actually trained with the the pilot Don Johns and had some interesting info uh was flying that very day and had been contacted about the weather and some other stuff but um yeah so that so we were we were in the right area sounds like um yeah i don't know
4: you know i don't have any idea um exactly what year that was but the crash happened in 72 and it was probably around 80 with my dad uh-huh. and I, I'm pretty sure I was with my dad at that time so it was
3: pre 80 I would guess you don't happen to remember that piece did it ended up on a tender and then any chance of remembering the name of that tender?
0: Trooper was around town then. I think it was before Jim Cavan was there. Do you remember a guy named Bill Bagron or Bagron? Yeah, he was the police chief. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah, I knew his daughter, Julie. Yeah, he's uh, he's since passed away, but I was trying to find names of, of people who it, you might have talked to. Well, I think I
4: talked to the trooper's office because you know, pretty serious when you find a piece of a plane, and they wanted they wanted to see it, and we had no way to bring it at that time without you know giving up
3: our season. So, uh, what company did you fish for? Were you fishing for a specific uh, processor? Well, what we used to always fish for
4: pack, but I don't know when pack turned into Copper River Seafoods. Oh, so but that was. We might investigate that.
5: Uh, that would have been. I mean that was well after I got here, it was still more pack, so I mean that would have been in the nineties at some point. But um
3: Well, I was just thinking if uh some old timer famous, you know, or fishmonger um, ha- could remember something about oh yeah, it came in on a tender and you know, and something of that nature.
4: Tender we had.
3: Yeah. Well, the processor might remember if there's some old retiree that might remember who was taking fish in that area. Maybe, you know, I know it's kind of a long shot, of course, but.
4: Um. Yeah, my dad um, was pretty faithful to whatever company he fished for. You know, he was with Parks and Western before it turned into more pack and then stayed with them. And, you know, New England. Had tenders out there at that time, and they they did some co tendering with more pack too. Hmm. They had the, a lot of those scows. I know Jim Rockham lives down here by me, and he he ran one of those same tenders.
0: Bob, Bob, how confident are you that you put it on a tender versus just leaving it be and taking the numbers? Oh no, I. Didn't. Do you remember when you
3: you called the numbers, you talked to the troopers, and they expressed interest in it being this plane? Do you know if it was just like a casual, like, ooh, maybe this is related to it? Or were they pretty seriously interested that this could actually be accurate numbers? Yeah, they were the ones that brought it up. Apparently,
4: you know, it was on their radar that the plane was missing somewhere in, in that area and uh
0: you know they're the ones that told me about it i I I was shocked when they said that but do you remember do you remember if that was based on like a general suspicion it might be the plane or if they told you that after they saw the numbers oh, I remember them
4: saying something about the number being real close to uh, what they were looking for so
0: you know it beats me like white- But you said around 1980? Well, I think so, you know. And
3: you said you you think it was roughly four numbers that were visible? No, I think there were five
0: or six. How many are on a tail? Six, six on a tail. Well, it's, it's really fascinating if they did base that uh, suspicion that it was the missing plane on the characters and you had four or five of the six characters. I mean, that would co- almost, def- not definitively, but it would come close to definitively saying that it was from that plane. Well, I'm curious, uh, was it a red and white plane, do you remember? It was white and, like, burnt orange. So I, I, haven't, okay. I haven't found any photos of it, and I, I've been asking people... Um, But yeah, I so I I know it was it was white and orange. Could be, I mean, orange. Okay, well, I'm I'm shade blind, I'm color blind, so orange could could have been red to me. Yeah, well, um, yeah, I mean, I I was I was really fascinated when you emailed me in 2015, and then I, I you know we. We made it over to Cordova, and we met Andy and, and Mark, and I had no idea that they they knew you. So it's it's been a it's been in, an interesting experience. We went out to into Portetius, and um, we want to come back with more equipment. Um, so we had a, you know a limited amount of time, and uh, we used the ROVs. But um, but yeah, do, do y'all have any other Mark and Andy? Do you guys have any other questions? No. So did it seem to be so. off of that smooth, you were talking about like the scour? Yeah,
5: no, it made sense from what Bob was saying about, you know, where you'd do a scrape for a seine that... And, and where you don't. And where you don't. And yeah. and we surveyed the area where you'd scrape and then we got into the eelgrass where you don't because it's all jaggedy rock and that, were you know, that... I was going to say,
4: I remember, I remember a lot of rocks on the outside of that area. Yeah, And we we were looking for a place we could set, you know, and and you want
5: to be on the furthest out spot so you get more reach, you know. Yeah, and it's the perfect little, the perfect little spit that kind of, well, point, whatever, that comes out there. Nice, smooth gravel beach uh, as far as we could see into the water. It looked really nice and looked like it was really clean of growth, like it's regularly used for sanding. So, um and then as soon as we got to the rocks, we got into lots of eelgrass and kelp and things like that. So we pretty confident we were in the the spot that yeah. you were talking about. Yeah, we used to set all the time across the mouth of
4: Constantine at high water. And, and we'd catch so many fish that the net wouldn't even move. It'd just be sitting on bottom and the tender would have to come in and scoop them out right there. And...
5: You know, occasionally we fished over in that spot where I got the tail, but that wasn't huh. like a regularly fished spot back down. Yeah, I don't even know if they let them go up into the, that tight anymore, but up into the mouth of the harbor. I'm not so sure. There, there were markers at the mouth. That's where we sat Oh, Oh, that, that was that the marker mark. set. Okay. Huh. Yeah, well, yeah. neat spot, and... uh Bef- before yeah, the hatcheries, that would have been a. We had to pick up before we got to that golf tee-looking
4: rock out below it, and uh, you know it was nice when we caught so many fish that the net didn't move. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep, pin you right there. That's cool. Yeah. Oh Well, thank you, Bob. Y'all, y'all have any other questions? No. Okay. I appreciate it, Bob. Thanks for talking to us again. Yeah, okay, well, good luck, guys. Okay, thanks so much. See
3: you in the spring. Yeah, take care.
4: Good winter. Bye.
3: So he remembers what the trooper's reaction was. So it's, they, it
5: got here. So there's quite a bit of difference there that what I was thinking when he said the whole tail section, I was thinking of this part of the plane i I probably didn't convey it well enough i'm sorry just the top of the tail yeah and then looking at the um cessna 310s um yeah you you can see see that sometimes the number is up here big picture
0: is got
5: most of the time the number is down there
0: yeah and that's why i've been trying to find a picture of the actual plane i haven't found any yet
3: there's a 310 with its on tail, and
5: some of it it's kind of like the right one. there. Yeah.
3: This one, that's the piece. Yeah, of I, this one
0: I
5: pulled up because if you broke that off, and it was ripped off, you might be able to get most of the numbers. Well, what's
0: interesting too, that says 1957. I think the 310C was 59, so that's close to when the really? the C nice. would have been produced.
5: And and a lot of them have it. The number is down here, and then some have it way up, way up there. So the number moves around, which is good to know.
0: Yeah, it would be very fascinating now to find a picture of the plane because if you found a picture of the plane and the number was a little bit further up where it would have been on uh, like the upright piece, I mean, that would at least wouldn't preclude uh, the piece that Bob found from being the right one.
2: Well, that's
3: a...
0: Really interesting. A little more clarification.
3: Um, the piece got here, obviously. So it's like, who cares? I mean, you know, it's not. I mean, we know it got here. So did he give it to a tender or to another saner coming back because it
0: broke down or something?
3: This is a can I ask
0: you a question? Do you, I mean, would there be a possibility that someone maybe would have s- like scrapped it to get money? It's not much. It's not enough
3: yes, aluminum.
0: you could pick it up by hand. Probably.
3: with uh, can find
5: more aluminum in my backyard.
3: Would somebody have, like, <laughs> taken it and, like, I don't know, just, acc- not accidentally, but, like, just dumped it in their shed somewhere? Sure. And Possible. I mean, they probably, I, I can't imagine them not taking it to the troopers, but... Well, if they took it to the troopers, they probably kept it. The troopers kept it? Not that they didn't someday throw it away because it was taking up too much room. Yeah, I don't know what their process is. Um... You know, they take a bunch of photographs of it and maybe they don't need to keep it around <clears throat> I, I don't know but uh, yeah it's, it's very fascinating now so he got to town the troopers according to his memories uh, uh thought it was a possible match at the very least um so hmm, five or six numbers how could you not like going well oh, that's it or not yeah i don't know
0: You can reach us by phone at 1-833-MIA-TIPS. That's 1-833-642-8477. Again, 1-833-642-8477. Or you can reach us via email at tips at iheartmedia.com. That's tips, T-I-P-S, at iheartmedia.com. Ben Bowen is our executive producer. Paul Deckant is our supervising producer. Chris Brown is our assistant producer. Seth Nicholas Johnson is our producer. Sam T Garden is our research assistant. And I'm your host and executive producer, John Walzak. You can find me on Twitter at, at JohnWalzack, J-O-N-W-A-L-C-Z-A-K. Special thanks to our captains, Mark and Andy, and to Bob Martinson. Missing in Alaska is a co-production of iHeartMedia and Greenfort Media. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie.
1: Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. That's right. Right, right,
0: right. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here.
2: From iHeart
3: Podcasts, the medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's
2: breathing right now. Oh. Yes, yeah, he's absolutely breathing.
4: I'm a doctor actually.
2: A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross